Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber. Brought to you by Pixel Cut Labs. All right. Welcome to another episode of Search Talk Live. With me today is the CEO, co-founder of Roar Internet Marketing, Matt Weber. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Robert. It's a great day to be talking about search engine optimization. Staying healthy? Yeah, so far, everybody's healthy. Uh, we're, we're strong in, in the company. Everybody's healthy in the company. Of course, we've been following the rules, keeping safe distance, wearing masks where we should be wearing masks. And so far, that's been paying off. And uh, let's hope that that continues. Nice. Well, today we've got in store for everyone, we're going to be talking some more SEO and content marketing. Uh, it's it's a vital piece of everyone's strategy, and I think it's uh, it's something we should always keep front of mind in our quest to uh, rank and our quest to bring in new clients, and it, it that's where it all starts. Yeah, so, and I think for a lot of the folks listening to the show, and Robert, you tell me if your experience is the same, I think the average business eventually gets some of the technical things we talk about on the show, load time, metadata, et cetera. But I think one of the things they struggle with the most is that content piece how do Mm -hmm. they write good content that acts as good inbound marketing yeah and you know you hear from a lot of different podcasts you know everybody says quality content well what is that what does that mean (laughs) right right it's like you know people that cook their own food right you got to have quality food everybody thinks the food that they cook is quality but we've got to look at a, a different standard to find out what's quality and i think that's what's exciting about today's show so our guest today is an expert in SEO and content. He's going to tell us all about himself. Richard Garvey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, keeping our distance. Uh, we're not recording in the studio today, so we're uh, following the guidelines. So why don't you tell us about yourself, Richard? Yeah. So like you mentioned, I'm the founder of uh, Acer Inbound, which is a search agency. We specialize in SEO and creating uh, really, really high quality stuff. So our mission is to make the internet a better place. And we do that through search. So, you know, we all understand the, the experience, that visceral experience of searching for something on Google and finding exactly what you're looking for. And you go to the site, it looks great and gives you all the information you want, plus more. Um, That's really what we aim to do with all of our clients. And uh, Matt, you made an interesting example there with quality of food. So uh, from from our uh, perspective, it goes, it's more than just making the quality food. So if you go to a restaurant uh, and you have an awesome dish, you're like, oh, that's great. But it's really about the whole experience. It's about um, your service. It's about walking in, the look of the plate and how it's plated and how the restaurant vibes are. So we like to, that's how we sort of like to think about content. It's more than just written in there. It's it's how it looks. It's how it feels. It's how it's presented from the point you search to that, that title you click on on Google all the way to the images and the copy and, and having the people engage in the content and all the stuff that goes along with it. So that's, uh, that's really what we're talking about and what we do at, at Acer. Yeah, I think that, and Robert, you tell me if you agree that I think that user-centric experience will become the most despised SEO buzzword of 2020. (laughs) It'll be the most overused. It's something we're going to talk about all the time. Deservedly so. Content uh, is the really, you know, that user-centric experience. I've uh, never used it that phrase, but, you know, I love it. You know, I don't think it can possibly be overused enough because, that's really what everybody has to think about when they're creating content. And like you mentioned, that some sites, a lot of sites are going to get you know, the technical side and the load speed time. 
I think a lot might be an overstatement. Uh, you know, working with a lot of people, it's shocking how many have no idea how to use their website the right way. Even the a lot of people just think, uh, you know, my website's there just in case someone finds it. So it's more like social proof that we exist and are a real thing. But they're not using it as a place to create content that that helps build their business. You know, it might support their business as far as having like, you know, an about us page or or a piece of content here and there that their sales team can can send out. But it's such an incredible tool. And we really are, even though it feels like we've come such a long way, um, even as far as in technology as a human race, we're at the beginning and the technology as far as SEO, even though it's, you know, what, a couple decades old, it's really just getting started and, and Google's getting smarter and smarter. And the way to to create a positive search experience is just to create better and better content. So I think that's... Yeah good for everybody you know google's mission is to create a, a better experience for everybody and that's what uh seo's experience has to be and i think that a lot of the times it's it's backwards you know people create content uh based around keywords and seo and they really have to we we do it the opposite way we focus on what's going to provide the target audience with the most value and then we map oh, that man. out yeah we map <laughs> that out and then we layer over, okay, and how is this going to work from an SEO perspective? What can we maybe tweak here and there um, as far as the headers and titles and, and meta descriptions and, and alt tags and all that fun stuff uh, to cover those bases? But the primary objective is just delivering as much value as we can to the target audience. Very nice. So, so let's, let's start with that plan because you you actually have a blog con content, right? I think when you're reading blog posts. So you talk about a, a plan and midway through the blog post, you reveal that this blog post was uh, has a foundation of some of the research you did. And that's why you did it the way that you did it. What's the beginning point for the average person listening to the show to produce content? Where does it all begin? It begins with understanding your target audience and, and taking a deep dive and, and just taking maybe an hour, sit there and think there and brainstorm and, and say, OK, what? is the goal of this post and what do we want and what do we want uh, people to say? And you have to map out that long-term strategy. So you have to understand the buyer's journey, what their problem is, what your solution is and how it fits that. And then, then you create the content based off of that. And maybe you uh, brainstorm a ton of ideas and say, and this is what, what we do. We talk uh, to the sales team and, and the owners a lot just to understand what uh, the pain points are of your customer and what they're going to be searching for, not necessarily your solution. So, you know, if you're, um, you know, a manufacturing company producing uh, conveyors or something, they're not going to be searching for uh, the best conveyor. They're going to be searching for, okay, my bottles keep breaking. How do I fix it? And then you have to find the solution that way. And that's just one specific example, but uh, you have to understand their problems. And then once you understand their problems, then you can start creating uh, a content plan around that. You know, I see this this hole that some content writers fall into, and they think that it's a content is a one size fits all, and I and, and it really isn't. There's not is you know you have content for sales, you have content for uh, creating authority, you have content. You know, there's there's different types for all different you know scenarios. Really, wouldn't yeah. you say? Absolutely. That's what uh, that comes about. So we use a lot of tools for, for keyword research like uh, Ahrefs and SEMrush and uh, sometimes Uber Suggest and some things like that. But once we have the keywords we want, so we know there's some sort of volume there. And that's that's another 
issue that or another trap that people fall into they 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 won't write for something if there's not a lot of volume there so our job as seos and content writers is not to create demand it's to meet the demand so if some if i have a client that has a product um and what they're offering only 50 people are searching for a month i'm not going to go after a a different topic that has 5,000 because a we won't be able to rank for it because the, the, the serpent tent won't match. And B, you know, we want to provide the value to the people that are searching for that product. So right. if we we have to create uh, topics and content around what the page actually solves. And then, OK, so once you have the keyword research, that's done. Uh, then you just have to dive into the Google results and see what's there. So you have to determine what type of content's there, what's on the page, what questions are being answered. And Brian Dean does this with the the skyscraper technique. So it's just a variation of that. Um, And just figuring out, okay, what's Google searching for or what's Google showing now that people are finding? Then how can we make it better? So, you know, look at the number one, two, three, four results. What's the same in there? What's different? What do we like about this? And what do we not like about this one? Uh, And then build out the content uh, outline, a really, really thorough outline uh, that's outlining the way the the page is going to be built. And as Robert mentioned, sometimes you have to write longer content to be better than those other sites that you just mentioned. And those are people ranking ahead of you. What advice do you have to balance the need potentially for longer content with users' short attention span? Well, A, I would never add content for content's sake. So it has to be valuable, 100%. We we go through this. Uh, I... I proofread everything. So when the outline comes through, if there's a section uh, that I don't like or doesn't seem interesting, we take it out. If we write something and it seems redundant or if it doesn't add value, we take it out. So we we don't add content for content's sake. But once we have but you can write a lot about anything. So there's always more you can add. Uh, You just have to do a little bit more research and digging to find that true value there. And and write through and make sure it's interesting throughout the whole thing. So making sure the header is interesting, making sure the intro is interesting, making sure every subsection is interesting and writ- and the headers are written well, uh, and then breaking it up. So you have to have, at least our strategy is, uh, you have to have a lot of visuals. So it's more like that Backlinko strategy where there's a lot of visuals, but again, not visuals for visual sake. If you're putting in stock imagery, if you're putting in, um, random images just to break up the text, it's not going to keep people's attention because they're just going to go right over it. But if you have visuals that are accentuating the copy that's written in the articles, if they're adding more value, if someone, I like to think of it, if you can look at every picture in an article and have a good understanding about what it's about and learn something, then they're good visuals. If you can just scroll over them, it's someone, you know, it's a random computer monitor, or if it's some stock image of a model smiling, it's not going to provide any value. And it's just not worth having in there. Would you agree that the headers then kind of play a role in helping the reader find what part of that content is most relevant to them? The, The headers allow people to skim the article quickly, get to the part that interests them. They play a very important role. They shouldn't be uh, just secondary thoughts when you write the copy. Would you agree? Oh, a thousand percent. So when you're writing content, you have to write it for for two audiences. So one is the users that are going through it, uh, and the second is Google that's reading it on the back end. So, uh, and they they kind of read the same way. So when you're looking at an article, you look at the title first, then you look at the headers, then you look at the copy. So Google does that to to create the hierarchy of what it should rank for and what it thinks it should rank. It should put on the search results page to give it a chance to rank, and then users do the same thing. So uh, 
another thing you can do is have all the, the subtopics at the top of the article so they can click and, and go straight to that section if it's a long post. Uh, and also have the subsections all very distinct, very you know interesting. So treat them each as you know this, the title tag that you spend a lot of time making in the in the SERP uh, title and the title of the page that uh, is you have to you know 80% of the people read the title and 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 leave or, or, or decide to read the title based on, or sorry, decide to stay on the page based on reading the title. Uh, and a lot of the same is for the header. So you have to spend a lot of time making them really interesting and, and giving the person a reason to read it. Uh, so a good you know rule of thumb is if you don't think it's interesting, the readers won't think it's interesting. So write something until you like it. Yeah. And, the, and especially the title and the title has to be catchy because, you know, someone uh, scanning through, you want to have something that stands out. Yeah, there, there's a reason that um, all of us click on those clickbait, uh, clickbait headlines, even though we know they're they're trash and because they're really interesting. It's like, uh, you know, maybe this one's different and maybe it is the most exciting thing I've ever read. So um, <laughs> uh, they're usually not. But that's another thing that makes for number one ranked content is the the value of the page matches the, the value that you think is going to be in there based on the headline. Right. Yeah, I think one of the best old school, if you'll forgive me for using that term, uh, techniques that everybody learned in elementary school and middle school that shows up big in the digital content world is outlining. And people just have forgotten how to outline. And basically, you create a structure for content that is based on subtopics related to larger topics. Just that very fundamental skill becomes very useful in creating content digitally. Absolutely. And it just saves so much time. Um, if you take more time creating the outline, especially when when you're working with, with clients that have to approve the content and everything is so subjective when you talk about great content. So no matter how good it is, uh, a lot of times a client would have said it differently or something like that. So it's really, really important to have their input throughout the whole way. And one of the big things we do is creating a really thorough outline that uh, that goes over the sections, the subsections, what we're going to include in each, you know, maybe links we're going to put here, uh, visual recommendations and all the keywords that we want to include in the article. And we don't start writing until the client says, yes, I love it. Uh, this will be perfect. Because then instead of having them rewrite big sections or saying, we don't like this, take this out and rewrite this. Uh, it's just the one, the first draft is usually uh, really solid. And, and there's some always some revisions that need to be made, but there's nothing major uh, that would result from not having that outline and having them scrapping it a piece entirely or having to rewrite, you know, 2000 words or something. Nice. Yeah. And particularly if you're listening to the show and you're running a shop, that's great advice because if you've projected a, a project fee for this job and you've got a flat fee coming in and you've got to control your labor cost and the way to do that on the copy side, which is one of the harder places to control the labor cost is to get that outline approved first so that not only, as you described, Richard, you've got a, uh, an acceptance level to begin with, but you've got something to compare it to. If they do reject a piece of copy downstream, you can say, well, you told us beforehand that it should do this, and it makes those discussions faster and easier. Absolutely, exactly. So what would, you, what would your advice be to, let's say, a small business? Uh, you know, we have a lot of small business people listening to us, too. Um, you know, especially during the time of the coronavirus where, you know, they're having to shift gears and change their whole way of thought on business. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what would your advice be on someone that doesn't know how to do keyword research but wants to write something about their business to draw in attention? So the thing about SEO and, and creating good content is that it's very, very simple, but it's hard and expensive. So the, the way to create great content for a small business would either be to invest more than you're comfortable with and in an agency or a content writer or something like that, or invest a lot of time to learn. Uh, there are a ton of free tools out there for SEO that you could use, like like Uber Suggest and and some of the great blogs like uh, like Backlinko and Ahrefs and Moz and and all these places where you can learn a ton about this stuff. Uh, so I would recommend learning first, uh, which is uh, you know critical to anything in life. Uh, if you want to get good at something, you want to have results. There's there's no uh, sort of cheat codes around uh, hard work and expertise. So learning a lot of that stuff and then um, creating the content that is interesting to your audience, like I mentioned before. So um, there's an, there's a lot of elements to SEO that you have to, to do on the back end, but it all starts with writing great content. Uh, and once you do that, it's a lot easier to do all the other stuff. So developing or gaining backlinks and gaining exposure and pushing out to your social networks or email subscribers or getting people to come back is so much easier when there's good content to support it. So yeah, you have to do that or else you're, you're sending thousands and thousands of emails and getting, you know, 1% return rate. It's a lot easier when uh, you generate all that stuff organically. Richard, do you test a particular proposed keyword phrase via Google ads before committing an organic content strategy to that phrase? I think with, with every company I work with, there is uh, a Google ads manager uh, also that we work with. So we don't do Google ads. So we chose to specialize uh, specifically in SEO because uh, we, when we did start branching into other things like email marketing and, and paid ads, it just spread us too thin and, and that's not where our sole expertise lives. So we decided to focus in on that, but I work very closely with um, companies that run the paid ads. So we make sure all the keywords make sense uh, and have true volume behind them uh, because you can get a lot of information from from Ahrefs and, and SEMrush, but some of that keyword stuff is not um, exactly accurate. Uh, so it's close, but it's the only way to really get that information is through uh, Google ads testing because that you're, you're paying for clicks and you're paying for volume and searches and impressions and all that. So we do double check that there is volume there, but a lot of the times uh, we do not check that. So we just trust the uh, Hrefs and SEMrush that there is uh, a significant chunk of volume there to, to create the content around. And once we have the the topics outlined and, and confirmed with the clients so what we want to focus on uh we're pretty comfortable with with them because there's so many secondary terms that go into them as well uh that sometimes we'll write the content for a target keyword uh and then we'll see it's it's starting to rank for a different keyword and it's more volume and it's more valuable and we'll sort of make optimizations on the fly uh and and change around that so we're very very flexible with how we build out the pages and the content um but it's, it's not never like a drastic change, but sometimes we'll make a few tweaks here and thereafter to to optimize it further. What's your sense, Richard, of the action that you design for people to take on that page and how it has to be aligned with what they're expecting to do? So in, in your industry, maybe it's get a quote. In somebody else's industry, maybe it's get a 
price or get an estimate. How important is the alignment of the action that you desire on that page that you're creating with what the user is expecting? Oh, it's it's huge. So um, like I mentioned earlier, you have to think about the customer journey. So we try to create content that's catered to each one. Um, so for example, one of my uh, clients is, is a marketing platform that, that does texting. So um, one of the pieces we created was, you know, the ultimate guide to text messaging for, for business. And that's really just informative educational content that doesn't have really have any pitches in it because when someone's searching for that they're just learning they just want to know what what it is like how is it the viability of it what goes into texting for business what can be done with it you know is it just for sales is it for uh operations is it just for marketing is it all this stuff and then once they get to the end of that piece we want them to have a full understanding of the capabilities of what that is so they're now an informed you know, customer uh, that can then go to that second stage of the journey, which is those how-to guides, you know, how to create a text uh, marketing campaign step-by-step. And that's when we start getting into some of the more uh, salesy type stuff. So uh, we talk about how to do it from a broad uh, perspective, you know, creating the target audience and making sure your goals are aligned and KPIs, but then also some of the specific uh, actions that you can take on their platform and, and how it's uh, a superior platform to some other of the competition, but we're, we're not trashing the competition. Just say, hey, if you want this use case, this is better. If you want this use case, maybe use us. And then we have to optimize, of course, the core pages. If someone's searching for their brand, uh, they have to find them. And, uh, and uh, a lot of times branded searches are, are overlooked, but um, you have to make sure those pages are fully optimized as well. So if someone's searching for them, they need to know how they can buy a very, very clear page, what the prices are, what are the next steps, uh, have those all over the page. So really understanding the journey of, uh, okay, thinking they have a problem, what's the what's a potential solution? Okay, I know how to solve it. How do I do it? Who should I use? And then, okay, I want uh, this company. How do I, how do I buy? A lot of folks listening to the show may say, you know, that, that's all great stuff, but I'm just not a writer myself. And they're going to go out to the marketplace and they're going to look for a good content writer. And as soon as they do that search, uh, content writer, content writer near me, they're going to see a whole lot of folks ranking for that. How does someone choose between a variety of writers to find out if they're a good fit for their industry and that they're good content writers? Great question. Uh, I wish I had a great answer. Uh, that, is, <laughs> that is very, very hard. And especially especially for small businesses, including my own, because uh, I am not a great writer. I'm, I fall fair, squarely into that category. Um, I love the outlines. I can, uh, I can edit pretty well. I, I have the, the ability to tell if something's bad. Uh, so like most people, it's a lot easier to go to a page and say, you know, something doesn't feel right about this page than uh, creating awesome content. But uh, it's so hard for a small business owner to find great content writers because getting dependable, high quality content is really expensive, uh, which is why it's hard to to scale really good content, which is an issue that uh, that we face of, you know, how can we scale creating awesome content uh, on a massive level, which is, yeah, I don't even know if it's possible yet, but we're going to we're going to try to do that um, because it's just really hard to like you mentioned, it's it's a fixed price a lot of the time. So it's hard to fit uh, a lot of revisions into that. And it's hard to, uh, to trust someone to create even that, that first draft content. Uh, and if you, you say, okay, 
you, we want 4,000 words, they come back with 4,000 words you don't like, then you just sunk a lot of time and money into that. Um, so I think the, the best way to go about it, which is what I did, is, is trying to find writers uh, that you can, you can test, you know, maybe half price for a piece, of con- a piece of short content. And then once you really like them, you'll probably have to go through a bunch. Uh, then you could try to work out something more long-term with them. And especially if you're a small business owner using a freelancer, the prices can be pretty competitive if you find uh, the right person. We use Upwork a lot. So writing a really descriptive job post about exactly what you want, about exactly what skill set they're looking for, and maybe uh, the expertise. So if, they, if you want a, a marketer or a, one, a writer that can write about marketing, they can write about tech, that can write about you know law or something like that, uh, having that in the outline uh, of the job proposal, and then just cycling through until you find someone that you like and, and that fits your brand. Yeah, and I'd say for anybody listening to the show, the two things you should have before you hire a writer is you should have your own company list of do's and don'ts. And I'd love to say every company should have a brand book, but that's just not going to happen. But you should, yeah. you should have your do's and don'ts, which are part of almost your everyday conversation in your company. Hey, we never use the word kill or we, we never compare ourselves to the uh, to another company or uh, we never refer to ourselves in the first person. These are things that have come up almost every week in your company, and you should just jot them down. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing you should jot down is just a list of acceptable facts numbers. I kind of call it a numbers catalog and just have nine things that you agree on statistically about your company. We're the largest of the blank. We were started in this. We produce over 20,000 widgets per year so that the writer isn't going back to you uh, with all of these questions and you can give them a starting point with things that you already agree on and in some cases don't agree on and that will you'll reduce the number of revisions as well. But you should have your list of do's and don'ts ready before you hire a writer. Absolutely. And and once you find a good writer, uh, I would invest more in, in keeping them and because you can have the brand book, you can have all these guidelines, but having the same voice is very, very difficult. And it, it takes a lot of edits and revisions. And no matter how many of those you can do, if you have different writers for every piece and you're trying to keep that same voice, it's difficult. So when you find someone that you really like, uh, you know, stick with them so you have that consistent feel throughout all of your content. Yeah, because you've got the cost of acclimation, which doesn't mm-hmm. show up in your profit and loss statement. Every time you hire a new writer, you're going to lose time. You've got slippage and trying to get that writer up to the same level of speed where the previous writer was. So somebody who knows your voice, knows the brand, understands your do's and don'ts, definitely pay, pay them a premium because you'll save it on the on the back end. Yeah. And you have to consider the, the long-term value of the content. So even if it costs you more upfront, um, it's gonna say it's gonna make so much more having really really high-quality content over the course of you know six months to you know a couple years. Uh, just understanding and and investing in in the future, which is you know a conversation as SEO we have to have you know all the time with with prospects. Like, look, yeah, you will be paying for no results for a little while, but uh, just trust us and it'll work in the end. Very good. Well, we got to take a break before we right when we come back, we're going to have what is called who influences the influencer. We want to know, Richard, who influences you? All right. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Brennan here, founder of the U.S. search award winning SEO agency Pixel Cut Labs. We're launching a new video series and we're inviting the Search Talk Live family to get involved. So here's the deal. I'm opening up a group of one on one consulting sessions to fix your SEO roadblocks. If you're okay with us publishing a recording of the call on our website to promote our expertise, the consulting session is on me. 
If you're facing a crawl issue, struggling with creating effective content, or just need some help identifying the right keywords to target, go ahead and take the next two minutes. Visit bit.ly slash SEO call. There's no spaces, no capitals, no hyphens. bit.ly slash SEO call and tell me what you need help with. If I think I can help, I'll send over a few times for our consulting call and you can choose what works for you. So again, the link is bit.ly slash SEO call. No spaces, no hyphens, all lowercase and it will take about two minutes to fill out. I'll bring everything to the table to help you break through the barriers you're facing, as long as we can use the recording of our call to promote our knowledge. Looking forward to hearing from you. Directive is an industry-leading search marketing agency fully focused on helping B2B marketing teams increase their results. If you're looking to increase your marketing qualified leads and decrease your cost per acquisition for search engines, I'd highly recommend you take a look at their site. We've actually had their CEO, Garrett Marguth, on the show, and I can honestly say these guys are doing some great stuff. I hear that they even have their own analytics system that lets you correlate your SEO, PPC, or content efforts directly to revenue. If you're a B2B company and thinking about switching agencies, or if you're in-house and need help, I'd give Directive a look. Visit directiveconsulting.com or call 949-214-4024. Again, that's 949-214-4024. Again, that's directive at directiveconsulting.com. Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy until now. Smilytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand, memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smilytics. S-M-Y-L-E. Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier. And it's free at smilytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier at smilelytics.com. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. Um, so Richard, who influences you? Who are the, who are the people you follow on maybe social media or, or, uh, around the web that kind of keeps you up to date and influences you? Well, um, it might not be common, but I actually don't really use social media that much. I'm on it. Uh, but it's been now about six months where I haven't, haven't gone on. Uh, I was, uh, I thought it was, you know, not the best place in the world. So I, I stick to more just Google searches and, and blogs. But mm-hmm. the people that I follow are pretty much who everybody follows in, in the industry. So, you know, Neil Patel and and Backlinko and Brian Dean and, and Moz and all these places. Um, and also when uh, just doing research, uh, I love just scouring their web for, you know, for looking for 
uh, articles about top SEO or whatever we plan to write about reading some of those pages. So, you know, mm. if, if Google ranks from number one, they're pretty good. And, and also listening to podcasts like this one and others, uh, always just trying to soak in as much information as possible. Because in this industry, if you're not constantly trying to stay up to date, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about a little different type of writing. Let's talk about writing descriptions. Because people will say there's one thing to optimize a piece of content, but now it's about optimizing the Google search engine results page because it's one thing to rank. It's entirely another to get the click. Yep. So what is your tip for writing a good description to get the click? So uh, a description outside of the, the title? Yes. So the good thing about uh, meta descriptions is that they don't need to be really SEO optimized because uh, from all of the things I've read, they, they're not really a huge ranking factor as far as... Uh, the keywords that are in there or or anything like that. But uh, the click-through rating is obviously very, very important for SEO. So what we try to do is uh, try to be informative about exactly what the post is about, but also have some sort of teaser in there to, to make them want to learn more. Um, so that's basically our structure. So in a short sentence about you know what the post is about, uh, a teaser about what is in the post that they have to know, uh, and obviously make sure that is covered in the post. And then just a quick, you know, click here to learn more or, or something along those lines. So when you're writing these meta descriptions, they have to, uh, I think it's like 165 characters you have to stay within. So there's a ton of article, there's a ton of research about what goes into making a great meta description. Mm -hmm. But the gist of it is make sure it's interesting, make sure it's there. A lot of the times people will write a, a piece of content or especially if it's a, uh, core page on the website, not exactly a blog, they'll just overlook the meta description entirely. So number one, make sure it's there for every single page that you have. Uh, number two, make sure it's interesting. Uh, spend a lot of time uh, writing those and making sure that it's something that you would want to click on. And if you're thinking about the search intent, so make sure whoever's looking uh, for that term, make sure it's, it's relevant to exactly what they're looking for and then have that teaser in there and then just give them a, a CTA to click and find out more. Yeah, I think you said a, a key word there. And Robert, I know this is part of your passion as well. It's a tease. Let, let's address it for what it is. It's a tease. And yeah. you have to convince that reader to, to do the click, take the action, move the mouse. Don't just state the obvious, but tell them what they're going to gain after they do that click. It's a, it's a, it's a tease. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not just for blog content, but for, you know, maybe it's a product or a service. In some sense, you're writing almost like you would a Google ads presentation, you know? That's a, that's a great way to put it. That's a great. Yeah, and that's actually a great, great place to, to find inspiration, uh, especially sure. if you're, if you're doing keyword research, um, looking at the titles and the, and the meta descriptions of the ads, because uh, you know that. Um, not only are they good enough to show up in the first spot, because that's pretty much a search engine within a search engine uh, at that point, uh, because the, the quality score and everything, you know, they paid a lot of money for it. Uh, so they spent a lot more time probably than the people in the organic results. So seeing what they're writing in their in their meta descriptions and then and using the, the you know, skyscraper strategy based off of that uh, is it is one of the key uh, techniques we use to write those. Very good. Now, Richard, you you wrote something in one of your most recent blog posts, uh, don't fear zero click search results. And in this show today, we've talked about satisfy the user's journey, answer their questions, make sure you're answering their questions. If you do that well in a blog post or a piece of content, you may show up as a featured snippet, which therefore means you may not get the click because the click isn't available to you. Why should we not fear 
the zero click search result because we don't benefit from a click if that's what we end up with with this great content. Because that's what, um, as SEOs, our goal is to create the best experience for the users. And if that means we can uh, get them the answer they need without clicking on a website, you know, sometimes so be it. Uh, that's how it is. That has to be our number one focus. So if we're only focused on driving people to the website uh, and, and making conversions, uh, then you're going to lose it ultimately. So I think ultimately you need to focus on providing as much value as you can. And uh, you're not going to get nothing from it. They're going to see your your URL there. They might you know, not notice it every time, but they're going to say, okay, uh, that's a good answer. Maybe I'll come back to that next time. Uh, and also, if it's a featured snippet that they can get everything they need from that search, it's probably not a super high-quality converting search in the first place. Because if you're trying to convert someone, it's going to need to be a lot of content. So if they can get everything they need from a paragraph, probably not the user you're trying to find anyway. If you know someone's searching for you know, how tall is Tom Hanks and, and they don't have to click on your site, they're probably not going to be that valuable anyway, unless your, your goal is to get traffic and, and convert and, and monetize ads. Uh, but then you just got to create better content. Uh, so we have to be on the same page as Google as providing the top experience for users no matter what. So if that means they don't have to click on the site, so be it. Uh, create better content that they need to learn more. Yeah, yeah. And if you're writing the content in a way that, I mean, if it's, let's say it's a service or a, a product, if you're giving the answer in a way that it gives them everything they need in that situation, you really want them to click through to your site. So you don't want to make, you want to make sure that you leave them hanging a little bit. Yeah, and it really talks to uh, Robert, your point at the very beginning of different different types of content for different purposes. Right. And that's where having a con plan comes into place. And just trying to attack these on a one-on-one kind of one-off basis as they come up isn't going to yield as much result as if you had a, a somebody figure out the plan for you. What kind of content do we need for what kind of query? And map it out, and then it progressively works. Yeah, and if it, as it comes to you know providing the answer. Uh, once they click into the article, I like to answer the answer the 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 search query pretty quickly. Uh, usually in the first paragraph to to optimize for that search snippet. But then it's our job to make them want to learn more. So if they get everything they want from that first paragraph and they're not interested in, in reading on, that means it wasn't a good intro 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 paragraph, and we need to do a better job. So the the purpose of every line of every sentence is to get someone to read the next sentence. Uh, and to do that, you need to provide awesome, interesting content. And that's like goes back to what we were talking about with uh, the header sections and making sure that each uh, section is, is valuable, is more valuable than the last or at least equally valuable to the last so they can read all the way through and get the the intention that we wanted them to get out of that article. If, they, if we wanted them to learn everything about uh, texting for business, we want them to read the whole thing so then they can take the next step and, and try to learn more about the intricacies and how that company can help them do that. So uh, the the meta description uh, is definitely a tease to get them to click in. But then once they're in there, uh, I like to provide as much valuable as quickly as possible and just keep them keep them going through the article by adding even more. Uh, so that brings up a valid point, too. It, those of you that think that you can just throw something out there and, and, and in an SEO world, there's always tweaking and testing and tweaking and testing to make those things better, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah we were we, on the same we, page for sure. Uh, <laughs> or, go on. Ask the same question because Richard, you talked you talked earlier in the show, just like Robert was uh, had 
in his mind too that you had a piece of content and you looked at it and then you realized hey it wasn't ranking for a but it was ranking for b and it needed to be tweaked so mm-hmm. how can you guide how can you guide somebody listening to the show to when do you look at that content and when when do you know it didn't do what it was supposed to do and how do you know when it should be updated uh we typically don't look for look at the content until about a month after it's posted so we get some traction and then um when we do all the research it's usually through search console so we look at okay what is it uh ranking for hopefully a lot of stuff and and where are those rankings within that top 100 and which is uh, potentially leading the most traffic to that to that page, and then maybe we can optimize there. And also looking at the click-through rate relative to the title. So we have a rough idea about what the click-through rate should be in each position in Google. So if we see it's in you know the third position, but it's not getting the click-through rate it's supposed to, then we have to relook at that title. Or if we see that um, it's in the eighth position, but it's getting you know 15% of the clicks, so like okay, it's just a matter of time until that goes higher into the rankings. So. Right. Nothing to worry about there. So we have to make sure that all of the, the click-through rates are, are roughly matching what they're supposed to. And if they're not, um, then making those changes. But it's also a delicate uh, balance that you don't want to change too much to lose rankings that you currently have. So sometimes um, in the past, it hasn't happened too much recently since we stopped making as, uh, as drastic as changes. So when we would say, oh, this is ranking for this, let's let's change the content and then it would fall off the rankings altogether. So like, well, that was a mistake. Um, so we have mm-hmm. to be really, really careful about not changing uh, the intent at all of the article, not changing what's provided, uh, but just slight tweaks to the title and slight tweaks to you know the tags and, and the headers within uh, could make a big difference. Well, let's talk a little bit about getting more content seen. Like if for an example, you have related posts, stuff like that, so that you know, you can lead people deeper into your site, you know, internal linking, that type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Internal linking is is critical um, when you're writing posts and having to push them around the site, um, having them open a new tab, uh, especially. And then uh, so, yeah, you have to when you're writing about something, if it makes sense to add an internal link or to add to another page, absolutely do that. If it will add more value. So if we're creating uh, a, a piece of content that's covering a lot of topics, but we have a different post that covers a subtopic in enormous detail, absolutely it makes sense to link to that page. But just to, when people get in trouble is when they throw in links everywhere uh, just because the word matches the, the other page or something. Uh, it has to be under the lens of adding more value to the page by allowing people to, to link to other places that have more information about what you're talking about, even if it's uh, an external link. They're they're also extremely valuable, and and even if it's a competitor, uh, which is a little a little controversial uh, to link out to them, but if they have a really great piece of content and it'll help your user, your user will appreciate it. And uh, I think it's always it always works out to act in your customer's best interests uh, to to think about how we you can help them more. Uh, and if your competitor is is better than you, just make a better product. So it's we don't like to do that a lot, but it's we we're not uh, extremely averse to to linking out to other blogs that are written by people in the same industry. Yeah, especially if they're you know they're localized. So if you link to someone, let's say it's a lawyer, he's in in Orlando, but you link to a you know a Ohio. Oh yeah, absolutely. Blog post or something that's not going to hurt them. 
yeah it just always has to be through the lens of like okay if 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 sure. the person reading this would would get more out of that by uh reading this article then you know so be it and then uh you know maybe you can get a link back from them as well sure but that's not to ask, say to ask for reciprocal links because those are not good. <laughs> <laughs> just had to throw that in there. Right? Yeah, just in case someone just in case someone made a plan out of that. Don't do that. All right. Well, I think it's that time, Matt. All right, Richard. It is time for Believe It or Leave It, one of the more popular parts of Search Talk Live. We're going to give you three statements we found on the Internet, and we're going to ask you to tell our audience whether they should believe it or whether they should leave it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here's number one. You should put a video on your most important landing pages because videos increase time on page and time on page is a user-centric ranking signal. Um, you should put a video on your page if it will add value to the page, uh, not because it will add time on page. Uh, time on page is an important signal, uh, but if you have a really great piece of content uh, and you don't have any capacity to make videos and you think you're just gonna film uh, a video on your phone and say, hey, look, I added a video in there. It will not uh, add time on page. It will make people click on the video and then leave your page and make and leave you thinking as a not you're not a trusted source. So make sure your video is extremely high quality. Make sure it adds value uh, to the content. And then, yes, I'd recommend adding video. And that's not saying you need a big studio or lights or anything, but make sure it's a really thorough video that is adding value to your user and then yes it will increase the time on page and i would recommend using video because it is really interactive all right so believe do it, it because right. you want to do it well not do it just to uh not do it just to try to fake out the the search algorithm do it because you believe in it and you believe in the content yes all right all right question number two you should make your ctas click to calls or a chat bot because form submissions are becoming a thing of the past uh i'm gonna say leave that i don't want anybody calling me uh so i would <laughs> definitely prefer people fill out forms and schedule meetings because uh having people cold call me uh all day even warm leads because a lot of the leads you're going to get are not going to be good so i think you're going to waste a lot of time on the phone if you just if you uh eliminate forms but i would recommend having an automated form uh response to make people think they're or to allow people to engage with you right away allow them to schedule the meeting um if they're if they're downloading an ebook so any form of form of data, gated content make sure it gets to them right away make sure it, it provides the the value that they're seeking um but yes i would say do not get rid of forms because they are i personally believe they are not a thing in the past i don't know what you guys think you know, Google put out an interesting piece of content a couple of weeks ago, uh, and one of the effects of COVID-19 is that the uh, ratio of mobile traffic to desktop traffic is now changing in a, in a very significant way because people are working from home. And in turn, many sites are experiencing a shift back to form submissions and away from phone calls because most sites, many sites are seeing a higher propensity of phone calls all clicks from a mobile device, right? Because it's just one action. You move your thumb and you click on it. Form submissions more likely to come from a desktop. And now that people are moving back to desktop because of working from home, we're seeing form submissions gain a little bit more traction. Yeah, I mean, I guess it all, it all depends on on your industry as well. So if you are, um, you know, if you have a, a giant sales team and you're looking to to sell products and they don't mind being called every day, sure, have your um, phone number on there. But if you're a small team or a small business owner or an agency, um, 
it 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 benefits me enormously to have more information going into a call. Uh, so if if someone submits a form, I'm able to research their site. I'm able to look at some of the issues that they have from the SEO perspective. I'm able to to verify you know their budgets and their 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 wants and their desires uh, from the forms that we offer. Uh, so it 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 benefits me enormously to have that information to improve the conversion rate once I get on the phone uh, versus having someone, you know, cold call me and we could have a conversation in generalities about how our product can help them, but not specifics. And the specifics I think are what really uh, is beneficial when you get to that, that level of conversation. I right, to leave that one. Okay. Last one. You're doing great, Richard. Here's the last one. A, a SEO technique is to test different meta descriptions to achieve a, a higher click-through rate because a lower position on a Google search engine results page with a higher click-through rate is easier to achieve than a higher position and weaker click-through rate. So you broke up a couple of times in there. What was the, the question, whether or not to test meta descriptions? Yes, to achieve a higher click-through rate because the author theorized that it is uh, easier to achieve a higher click-through rate without improving your position than it is to improve your position with your existing click-through rate. Um, Usually, hmm. though, if you get a high click-through rate, your position will go improve. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> So that's an interesting one. I would say if you have a really good meta description, your click-through rate's high, just sit back and wait. Yeah, he was he had some uh, interesting data on this. And, and in particular, he was talking about companies that have to compete with uh, large directories like uh, Porch.com or Yelp, where the likelihood of jumping over them in positions one and two is going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort. And so he's making the case that says, hey, before you do that, uh, try testing different descriptions and try to uh, increase your click-through rate where you are, which may be less resistance and less effort than trying to hop over some long-standing, well-established domains that are entrenched in higher positions. Yeah, if you, if we're dealing with some of that, if if someone wants to rank for a term like that, and I look at the search results page and I see Yelp or I see Angie's List or I see you know Captera and all these different citations. I just uh, change the keyword. So that's the the primary thing I would do is go for more of a niche long tailed keyword that doesn't have those um, citations or any of those big businesses on there because you're going to be much more likely to rank. Uh, and when you talk about getting actual traffic, if if uh, that term has you know 5,000 searches per month and a smaller term has 250, but it doesn't have to compete with with Yelp, then you're going to get a much larger number than you would in, even if you if you optimize the you know optimize a page fully and you get into the number eight spot ver behind all these different things. Uh, if you're in the number two spot in a less competitive term, you're going to get uh, way more traffic. So I would say uh, shift your your research and your keyword uh, targeting if you're having to compete with those big companies, uh, or if you're you know a massive brand trying to compete with them. Uh, then, then yeah, maybe testing out a lot of stuff. But I think you're going to waste more time than you would uh, shifting your your strategy. Yeah, I, I was going to add to that is the uh, it, I, at that point changing your meta description is not going to make too much of a difference. It's going to be a lot yeah. more that need to be done. Yeah. 
it does show the value of having a plan. Sure. And, and being able to yeah. do that homework on the front side before you launch a piece of content in a really what could be an unwinnable keyword before you get all that trouble, make sure that you've done your research. Yeah, absolutely. Making sure that the, the search intent's there, the, the, the volume's there, your product matches it, and you're not competing with some of these giant industries. What do you do in a case where you have a client that believes that this is the absolute keyword he needs to rank for, but then you find out, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, I really haven't had too hard of a time uh, with that, uh, surprisingly. Maybe so we're we're in the smaller side now. Maybe when we grow uh, more, we'll have we'll run into that problem. But exactly explaining what we just talked about and showing the numbers and showing the data and showing uh, how SEO works and how that would be not a good idea. Uh, most of the decision makers and the business owners and, and marketing executives I talk to understand that. Uh, so uh, that's why we like to we have we're in that premium tier. So we don't deal with a lot of. Uh, people with with minimal understanding of how it works and and how we operate. Very good. Okay, now it's uh, it's time for Search Talk Live Tattoo. All right, Richard. So we want to leave people with a really solid, short piece of advice that they can remember some of the great stuff you gave them in today's show. Plus, it's got to be something tattooable because Robert gets all these as tattoos. <laughs> What's your Search Talk Live tattoo that you're going to leave us with today? That would be focus on the entire experience. So going beyond the copy, beyond the visuals, uh, all of it. So when you when you get to the when you search, have a great title, have a great meta description, have a great looking site they click into, have it fast, have it um, you know not being bogged down by all these different pop-ups and everything, have it look good, have the the readability high, have text broken up. So really focusing on the big picture of the whole experience and, and optimizing each little facet in there. So focus on the whole experience would be the tattoo. Okay. I was going to say, that's going to cover my whole body. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do love the thought. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, making sure that the consumer experience is satisfied from the beginning to the end. We're pretty selfish sometimes as marketers and we just want to click and we want to visit, but we really have to open our minds up to the full fulfillment and the full satisfaction of somebody coming to our site. Absolutely. Investing a little more time and a little more strategy and a little more patience. And, you know, selfishly, you, you'll you end up with more traffic in the end as well. Amen. So, um, Richard, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been awesome. Really great information. Um, if someone wants to reach you, a listener for, with a question maybe or something, how would they do that? Uh, so they can find me on LinkedIn or they can go to our site, hrinbound.com. It's a new site we're, we're pushing out right now. Uh, and they can fill out the form on there. Don't call. <laughs> so, I've never told people, don't call me. Call <laughs> exactly. Touche. Way to wrap it. What is the, what, um, can you spell that out for the listeners? That website? A-C-E-R. I-N-B-O-U-N-D.com. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. And uh, Matt, did you want to add? That's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yes. Richard, great job. And to one, from one Phillies fan to another, thanks for participating. I was going <laughs> to say, go, go Birds. All right. Yeah, go Birds. <laughs> see you next week, guys. All right. All see right, you. two weeks. Bye-bye, we'll everyone. See you in two weeks. <laughs> 
Search Talk Live is brought to you by Pixel Cut Labs, a 2019 U.S. Search award-winning SEO agency. Welcome to Page One. If you have a question about today's show or would like to be a sponsor, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's Robert at searchtalklive.com. 